There are some interesting parallels between our gospel reading today and that was the gospel text used on Easter Sunday. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb when it was still dark. The disciples were gathered together when it was what? Dark. In both cases, the darkness of the environment reflected the darkness of their interior lives because they did not under, yet understand, they did not yet perceive that Jesus was not dead but alive. Mary Magdalene and the disciples were people without hope. For both Mary Magdalene and the disciples, the darkness also evoked fear. Mary Magdalene feared that the Lord's body had been stolen from the tomb. The disciples feared the Jewish authorities, were fearful of being arrested, and quite possibly were fearful of being executed. All forms of fear that emanate from our interior darkness share one common element. They assume a future without Christ, which in turn distorts our thinking, clouds our judgment, more deeply entrenches us in darkness, and entices us all the more to give up hope, giving evil its ultimate triumph over us. It is interesting that the very first sentence the resurrected Jesus shared with his disciples was not, do not be afraid, the most common expression used in the Bible. No, instead, Jesus combined a single word packed with meaning with an action. He said, shalom. We translate it as peace. The gospel here translates it as peace be with you. And then he showed the disciples the wounds of his crucifixion. Jesus offered the shalom, the peace, his crucifixion and resurrection achieved. The peace of reconciliation between God and man. The peace of having that infinite gulf created by sin, bridged, and all barriers between man and God torn down. The peace of knowing that those who believe in Jesus have the certitude of eternal life. The peace that comes from knowing that all the power of the evil one to terrorize humanity has been rendered impotent. The peace that comes from the knowledge that death has been stripped of its finality and has become a mere temporary inconvenience. Thomas, however, was not with that group of disciples. And we're not told why. We have absolutely no reason why Thomas was not there. What is interesting, however, was Thomas's reaction when the men he spent three years with did what they were empowered to do, to witness, to evangelize, to share the good news of the resurrection with Thomas. What did Thomas do? He dug in his heels. He refused to accept the testimony of the men he had come to know intimately. 
and from his darkness, Thomas insisted that three specific conditions had to be met before he would believe. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. I have always found it amusing that one week later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, and this time Thomas was with them. Again he said, Shalom, and all that word means. But notice that the gospel makes no mention of the disciples being afraid as they were a week earlier. They had moved past their fear. Jesus was there to zero in on Thomas. And the Lord said to the surprised disciple, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. And all Thomas could do was mutter, My Lord and my God. One will often see various works of art spanning the centuries, showing Thomas putting his finger in the nail marks of one of Jesus' hands or putting his hand in Jesus' side. There's one painting that I've always found interesting. Thomas is holding his index finger in a kind of hovering position over Jesus' hand while the other disciples are looking on. And I could not help but get the impression Thomas was thinking, do I need to do this or not? Do I need to do this? Was Thomas ashamed because he doubted and would not believe the testimony of his colleagues? Was there something in Thomas's life that made him think he was unworthy of Jesus' love for him? Was he trying to hide something from the Lord? That, of course, is crazy because there's nothing about Thomas about every single one of us. The Lord doesn't already know and knows better than we do where it came from and why it still festers inside us. Did Thomas follow through with his demand and Jesus' offer? The gospel doesn't tell us. It is absolutely silent on the matter. Why? Because the focus isn't really Thomas anymore, but you me, and everyone who will hear the gospel until the end of time. Would we feel a need to take Jesus' offer to put our finger in the nail mark, our hand in the side? 
What interior darkness lingers within us that weakens our faith and needs that kind of reassurance? Why are we sometimes resistant to the witness of other believers, especially those we have come to trust and love? What doubts linger within us that block us from fully realizing the potential the grace of faith can accomplish within us? What sins might we have lurking in the deepest part of ourselves that inhibits us from placing all our trust in the divine mercy and allow that mercy to vaporize that sin with the light of God's love? The gospel does not tell us what Thomas did or did not do. Because Thomas is not the gospel's concern. You and I are.